The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the O3C Podcast coming to you from O3C Games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by Chris Dow. If you're happy and you know it. And Minty Booth. Shit your pants. <laughs> and we are chatting about our favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! Did you know we have, and still have, a Patreon page? If you head to o3c.game support, you could pledge just a pound or two a month, and with that you'll get lovely, lovely bonus stuff like episodes, deleted scenes, access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord. It's a very nice place to be. And all sorts of other little bonuses throughout the year. And more than anything else, you help keep this show going. Also on that page is a PayPal link that you can chuck just the odd penny to if you fancy just a one-off payment to say thanks a lot for brightening up your Monday mornings for at this stage approaching four years. Enjoy it. Thanks. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom, so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High-quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Micro Center, Best Buy, Amazon, Walmart, or shop directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. So, we are here, we're back uh, like the Renegade Master? Is it? I don't know. Uh, the Rhinestone Cowboy. <laughs> That's it. Yes, the Grindstone Cowboy. That was last week. Chris. That's me. More about that in a bit. We are predominantly here to amend our top 100 favourite video games of all time lists. It's uh, my week this week to make an amendment. I'm going to be uh, picking a game to go into the list and getting rid of a game. We've only got like what, four or five amendments left each this season? So, yeah, it's real shit on your bum time. So, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... That famous phrase. <laughs> it's really get your knob out time. So, before we get on to that, we are going to talk about what we've been playing this week. And as I as I alluded to just then, I've actually been a grindstone cowboy this week. Yes. Because, Chris, <laughs> you tickled my pickle with all your talk of grinding on your stone. And uh, I, I, I picked it back up again on apple arcade i was quite a way into the game or at least you know dozens of levels in and i couldn't remember all the intricacies of of uh, what all the different enemies did and and all of that stuff so i decided just to start again and uh i'm now about i don't know 30, it's fun to 30 do. or so levels still in. still fun to do it's just it's so good it is such a good game it is unbelievably satisfying. I wouldn't say near sexual, uh, as, as the topic uh, got to last week, but it's just, yeah, it's just so satisfying to play. There's been a few sort of additions since I last played it. There's some new game modes and some other bits and bobs and thingamajiggies. And it's, yeah, I just, I can't fault it. I can't fault it. It's just so good. I think it is the best mobile game, I think. Wow. I've said it. Oh. I've said it. It's a game that's made to be played on a mobile. That yeah. is the best, I think. And, oh, I love it. What else have I played? Not much, because I spent the last week 
playing through the game that I'm going to be talking about later on. <laughs> oh, I always like those. A little little treat. I, I genuinely didn't think I was going to. I, I was like, I'm not going to have the time. I'm not going to have the time. And I started writing my notes for it. And then I was like, oh, I've got to play it. I've got to play it. But the biggest game that I played was Where Is My Switch? Uh, which uh, is a game that had, had increased in difficulty since, since buying a Steam Deck. But more about that later on. Uh, but I'm very, very glad to have got back into Grindstone. And yeah, I'm going to keep keep playing that here and there. Odds and sods, stones and grinds. Oh, great stuff. Minty, what have you played this week? First of all, starting with the Vital Bracelet, a little bit of an update there. I thought I'd be sneaky and I'd try and finish two cards in one by doing something called Jogress. I don't think it's a play on the words jog and progress because I don't think the word was created just for the vital bracelet. From what I can (laughs) tell in my limited research, it is just a word that is in the Digimon lexicon, which, which which just means fusing two Digimon together. So there's the thrilling backstory. What I thought I would do is I've got two cards that are very similar and the last Digimon on both cards is exactly the same. It's Omegamon Zvart. So I thought... I'm going to fuse two Digimon from each of these cards. I'm going to fuse them together into this Omega Monsvart, and then I'm going to stick it back onto my companion app, and I'm going to complete two cards in one go. Boom. Done. Great. Well, it doesn't work like that, I've realised, so I've got to do the whole thing again and just swap the two Digimon around so that I can get uh, Omega Monsvart onto the second card there, but... Hey-ho, big problems in my life. So, uh, yeah, thoughts and prayers needed. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, if for anybody who's confused and thought Minty was just talking gobbledygook, don't worry, he hasn't had a stroke. <laughs> yes, and to be honest, it is gobbledygook unless you understand what I'm talking about, which is kind of... That's the nature of language. It really is, isn't it? That, that can just be applied to anything. As Chris Tarrant used to say, it's only easy if you know the answer. That's <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a phrase to apply to our podcast. <laughs> Sticking with the Digimon theme, I've uh, booted back up Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. I picked up Digimon Story again because next month is when Digimon Survive comes out. It's the only thing that I have added to mine and my wife's shared calendar. <laughs> um, so I am looking forward to it quite a lot. So anyway, getting back to Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, I left it in a very good place. I've only got three Digimon left to discover and five left to register into the field guide. So I've seen two, which I haven't acquired yet, and I've still got three left to discover. Or I did because I forgot to save after a good 40 hours of training Digimon whilst the Switch was in sleep mode. Minty. I started the system update for the Switch on autopilot without saving, and I lost a few new high-level Digimon, which I'm a little cheesed off about. I would be too. That's uh, you hate to see it. Yeah, but then I realised I didn't actually do anything to to get these Digimon. I just let the, let the game run in sleep mode and let them just fuck around on the farm and get stronger that way. Like none of these none of these Digimon needed to be actively trained because it was just a case of leave them let them get to level 99 and all the stat parameters that they need to reach will be achieved by virtue of them just being so very very strong i didn't have to sort of go into the game and tweak their strength or their intelligence or anything it was very much just to stick the metal key in the mouse's back and just let it go off in its merry way i'm not that bothered about it i'll just leave the game running in sleep mode for another two nights and just pick the game up again maybe at the end of the week been playing a little bit more turok 2 on hardcore mode nice challenge 
looking for secrets as well. I've never really gone for looking for secrets in a Turok game. It's very much just been like, oh, shoot the dinosaur, shoot the dinosaur hybrid, shoot the huge spider, shoot the weird fixation on this strange race of extremely large insects. It's very much been just a gentle run and gun type game. So yeah, just going into it with a with a more with more of an explorer's heart has been quite nice and I kind of have to have that explorer's heart mentality because uh, I, I, I certainly can't make very much progress very quickly because it's it's difficult it's tricky I'm bad at shooting games but I'm blasting my way through slowly and yeah still having a lovely time with it I completed the punishment due that quake add-on that I talked about um, oh, yeah. in previous episodes. Uh, yeah, only five levels. The penultimate level was the one that I was playing when we recorded last and I talked about it. It was a really lovely, big, cohesive level with distinct parts that still felt like they'd linked together and were just part of a whole level. It was just interconnected rooms with a huge tower in the middle where... You had to press 10 buttons to lower the lift incrementally to get the gold key and move into the final area. It was great. Level 5 was more just disparate challenge rooms, which I'm not really a fan of, particularly when so many of them were dependent on platforming, I suppose, or rather binding you to a small platform while dodging shots and the like above like a bottomless pit so falling into that void means you white out and and if you fall in a very specific spot you can either cheese the game and respawn on a much much bigger platform at the start of the level and just take your sweet time sniping things because every enemy has already spawned in because you've you've hit those load triggers or you just end up in an area where you're immediately mobbed by about 40 enemies and just get absolutely leathered in a second it's it's a bit of a crapshoot which path you'll end up taking after your mad descent but yeah it was still fun i'm glad i played it i haven't played a quake level pack that i haven't enjoyed yet yeah yeah, i love the game so much and i'm really glad that they're constantly bringing out level packs for it and and that the modding community is still making level packs it's great it's really really great the last thing that i'm going to talk about is this uh i've been on a bit of a a crap mobile game app bender this week good to know so yeah so as well as conquer the tower which i talked about i've also downloaded a game where it's it's the exact same game, but instead of towers, you're just territories. So it's just, what if a tower was smeared? Really? <laughs> I downloaded a couple of those running games where you, where you play the prick in the morph suit and you have to like do different things and you can get taller or you, know, you, you, you have to run away from zombies or whatever. The sort of thing that's in 99% of every app ad ever now, which are not fun in the slightest, I'm sorry to say. There have been a couple of standouts though. I'm playing a game called Gun Sprint, where you play, wait for it, a gun. Oh. Your only method of locomotion as a gun is firing a bullet and using the recoil to propel yourself in an arc across a course. Well, that sounds quite fun. Yeah, that's quite a nice idea. Or like desert golfing. A bit, yeah, a bit like desert golfing, actually. It's, yeah, it's more a golf game than a gun game. But yeah, it's it's like the levels are very, very short and there's only a couple of things that you have to shoot in each level. And there is still that pestilence of um, of an ad after every single three-second level, but it's it's still a nice, fun, silly little thing to dip into. And to be honest, just watching the way that you just hwang a gun across each course is probably some of the best physical comedy I've ever seen in a game. <laughs> like I, I saw the ad and I was like, well, this is hilarious. I've got to play this. Have you seen there's an indie game, which I think is still in development, but I've seen uh, clips on Twitter enough times where you play a person who sat in a wheelie office chair 
and you can only move around the stage by firing your gun. So it's it's basically the same principle. I have seen this. Just locomotion yes, yes. comes from shooting and recoil. But I, I don't know what it's called. Something like, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to try and guess. But that's, that's some homework for someone. <laughs> it, it could be a, a more nicely realised version of the, the gun mobile game. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I, that does ring a bell, actually. I don't know if it's that game specifically or whether it's like a, a jackass clip where they're doing that on wheelie chairs with fire extinguishers. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah. And the other, and the last game that I've been playing this week uh, is a nice game that I have been playing in tandem with my wife. Uh, it's called I Love Hugh 2. Um, okay, is Hugh spelt like colours, H-U-E? Yes, H-U-E, yes. Basically, it's like a matching game, but instead of matching things you're matching little colors oh i don't know how to explain it like it's like a cloud each level is a shape and the shape is a color gradient but then it gets broken into many little pieces and the pieces get swapped and it's up to you looking at the pieces that are fixed in place to put the bits that have been swapped back together to recreate that gradient it's nice. It's a nice little relaxing game. It's one of those ones that falls into that archetype of it's almost got a like a spiritual aesthetic to it. Like there's the music is like gong. Oh, I see. And then like <laughs> and as soon as you, as soon as you complete a level, there's like the sound of <laughs> It's, it's like it's like what if what if a flower opening was music? Do you know like bling? I don't know what you would what you would call that pseudo genre of games, but it's nice. It's sort of wishy washy, faux spiritual silliness. Vania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's all I've been playing this week. Chris, what have you played this week? I've played a lot of Everybody's Golf on the PS4. Because oh, what a great game. after mentioning it in passing alongside the Apple Arcade pseudo sequel Clap Hands Golf last week, yeah. I just had a hankering for some cartoon golf. And knowing, you know, because we talked about it so much that the most recent Mario Golf did not quite cut the mustard, uh, I went back to what is pretty much the best of the best when it comes to this sports genre. But when booting it up, I frustratingly found out that the online servers are closing for good in about September time. And yeah. it's it's a super shame because a good deal of this game is tied to the ability to free roam online courses. And there you can find unlockables and you can challenge other people for, for individual kind of whole rewards. You can even access like entire modes like fishing, which you don't really get outside <laughs> of the online courses. So because my brain is busted, <laughs> as I did with Freedom Wars on the Vita late last year, I've now made it my unofficial mission to try to finish everybody's golf before the servers shut or have? at the very least <laughs> unlock the trophies that will become inaccessible before the cutoff date. So it's been a, a good week of golf. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've still kept up with a little bit of Babylon's Fall. I've now finished the Chocobo GP season in terms of level and exclusive rewards. But the main thing I've done this week has just been sinking birdies like they're going out of style <laughs> and it's it's just a really really good golf game it's so good like you say i, I know you played a bit of it when mario golf super rush got sent back to the shop yeah <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but the more you play it and the deeper you go into it i really do think it's it's probably simultaneously the most accessible but also deepest golf game you can play on modern platforms I mean, if, if you go more realistic, the Golf Club series, which is now the official PGA Tour series as of a few years ago, it's really good. I had a lot of fun with that the last time I played it, but it uses the like the analog swing system as opposed oh. to the three-click system. And 
I just much prefer the clicks for setting power, yeah. draw, and fade. Yeah, they, they nail that straight out of the gates. Very first golf yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. That's just how she do it. Yep, that's it. And maybe for some people it's a preferential thing, but in all the hours I was playing the golf club, this is you know however many years ago, I never really felt like I had total control over a shot because the variables in swinging a stick back and forth are many in number when compared to just pressing a button at a specific time. And the biggest difference where you really feel that divide is if I sink like a chip-in shot from 80 yards when I've had to meticulously set the power, consider the wind, and then nail the timing of the button press versus sinking the exact same shot with an analog swing, the buttons make it feel like it's planned and completely dictated by me being good. And the second is always going to carry this feeling that there's a bit of luck in there and, you know, the, the game has just decided, oh, we'll, we'll let him have a gimme. We'll, we'll just give him one because he's struggled for a little bit. And it's not saying that's not still satisfying to sink those, but it just feels better in everybody's golf because I did it. It's completely yeah. down to me. I got it right. The main career progression for this game, essentially you just hammer nine or 18 hole variations of courses, but each time there's, there's different kind of accoutrement applied each round. So... It might be the same course you're competing on, but now it's raining heavily, so the ball carrier's changed, or you might have to contend with teeny tiny cups or jumbo cups, which mean your your putting game is going to change. In some of them, you might face penalty strokes for not taking your shot quick enough. But you know, even though the core of each hole is still just setting a direction and then going through that three-click motion, there's enough of these changes to keep it fresh and exciting to play kind of a, a couple courses a day and I haven't got bored. And then once you've accrued enough cumulative experience, you then face off 1v1 against a named character, similar to Mario Golf on the Game Boy, and hopefully beat them to unlock their costume and a few other options, and and in some cases, like, a whole new mode. And then you just go back to hammering courses like before. And it's just been a really, really satisfying loop to play in the evenings because it doesn't take that much commitment to just blast through 18 holes. You know, it's like 20 minutes and done, and then I can go do something else. Is it a better game than Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color? Probably, but I mean, it, it scratches the same itch, certainly, I'll say that, because it is a, a cartoony knockabout golf game. There's extra activities in kind of the adventure mode of the Game Boy game, so there's a little bit more there, maybe. You know, what everybody's golf gains in terms of having more customization, say, or bonus features or fidelity or online, whatever, it just loses a bit of Mario Golf's purity. So I still think I prefer it if I had to pick one. And also, because of how modern games are, considering how much of everybody's golf is about to be shuttered, in a few years, if I had to just have one golf game to play on a desert island, I'd take Mario's Golf, because at least it's going to work. <laughs> you know, none of the game is going to have been hobbled by the fact that they couldn't be bothered to pay the server costs on Sony's end. I think it's a real shame that we'll probably never get another everybody's golf game again, or certainly not in this style, because Claphand seems to have just severed ties with Sony after working with them exclusively for like 20 years. And Japan Studios, which were the first party Sony team that supported this particular golf entry, they were shut for good in 2021 as well. So I, I don't know who is carrying this candle if it's to continue as a series. And it's it's really sad because I think it's really good. And every everybody's golf game I've played, back to the PSP, to the Vita, to the PS3, to now the PS4, they're really good fun. And I, you know, there's not really an analogue for that now that Mario's Golf has kind of shit the bed as well. <laughs> Either way, I'll let you know over the next few weeks how I get on with my trophy challenge. 
the main thing I need to do online is catch certain fish that are exclusive to the live online courses, but I can't catch them all until I've beaten a certain versus character in single player because he gives you some like magic bait or rod or something. So it's a bit of a back and forth grind at the moment to, to get the things I need in single player so I can tick off the stuff online. But I'm, I'm confident I will get there because it's fun enough and I don't think it's that big a commitment really. Very well, I've got a few months to do it. As a final little thing, as a tiny tease... Georgia and I have been playing a game for some time that I've not mentioned on here, and we are nearing the end of this game that we've put little chunks of time into for months now. And I think it is a game that I mentioned once a long time ago on the podcast, but more interestingly for me, if we beat it, we will be in 0.1% of players, according to the PlayStation. <laughs> so if, if anyone wants to take a guess, listeners at home, uh, let me know and mainly because I'd be interested to know if if everyone switches off when I talk about C-tier nonsense games or if it's just you, Jonathan, who beats the Steam Deck up every time. What was that? <laughs> so if anyone wants to have a guess at the, the game that me and Georgia have played together for a long time that we will potentially beat and, and be in a very, very small percentage of players who have done so, send me a message on Twitter and uh, yeah, we'll see what we get. So... Do you guys want to know what my amendment is? I do. This week. I do. I do, and I want to hear you talk about it. Now, I've spoken several times already this season about the games that define me as a gamer and how that when we did our initial top 100, those games were very, very different to what they are now. And it's it's part of what's bringing me so much joy with amending these lists is cultivating a, a tapestry of video games that forms an accurate portrait of who I am. And every game I add in adds a new detail. And it's also then been good to prune a few stray threads along the way just to tidy it all up. And my amendment this week is for one of these games that really sums up many, many things that I love in games today. And it's a game that represents genres, game mechanics and aesthetic styles that just make my heart glow. Metroidvanias and Souls-like games seem dime a dozen these days. Not only have we had legitimate entries in those actual series, but it, it seems every indie developer under the sun has tried their hand at fusing those two genres together. I spoke last week about how Jedi Fallen Order successfully married those two genres in 3D, but the marketplace is absolutely rife with 2D Metroidvania Souls-like adventures with gorgeous hand-drawn arts that all of those words have lost any sense of what is special about them. And I think that is because... Hollow Knight did it best. Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) And everything that has come since has tried to live up to that. Other indie developers saw what an indie developer could put out and thought, yeah, we could do that. Uh, They couldn't. uh, They haven't and they can't. (laughs) Join us next week. (laughs) (laughs) The wonderful thing about Hollow Knight is that despite the fact that hundreds of games trying to be it have come and gone since its release... Nothing has diluted or dulled the effect that Hollow Knight had. Like One of the things that really helped to set Hollow Knight apart is its aesthetic theme. They decided that it was going to be set in the world of insects, largely underground. And the consistency of that aesthetic is maintained throughout this absolutely enormous world. The different groups and races of inhabitants are simply different bugs. The way they've formed factions and have terraformed their local habitats form natural variety in the landscape. And it's touched with this glorious, gorgeous, fantastical design that brings everything to life so magically with 
beautiful, intricate architecture, statues, palaces, homes, arenas, settlements. It's just, it's stunning. I mean, it looks stunning. Everything is hand-drawn and animated traditionally, so it all moves beautifully as well. And the soft glow of the lighting in the game makes you feel buried and free all at the same time. It's such a tantalising world to explore. And because it's a Metroidvania, you always need to be pushing the limits of what your abilities can do. Can I actually make it over that rock or do I need to come back when I've got another movement mechanic unlocked? But it feels wonderful to explore. And despite everything being drawn from the same murky design trough, and you can easily get turned around in its terrarium-esque burrows, it's always quite sort of clear where you are, what realm you're in, and, you know, where you want to go next. And it's beautifully balanced in that respect, because it's not afraid to let you be lost, because that's part of the thrill of discovery and adventuring, but it subtly guides you back to, you know, where you need to go next, without having, you know, big waypoints and markers on the map. And like the best games, you're really rewarded for your exploration too. It might be, you know, finding a whole new area, or finding a little secret, or it might be just the unwritten discoveries you make as you piece together this world whilst you explore it, and, you know, in your mind you start to get a sense of how this world works and how it all fits together. Like, there's this one place that I found, it's called the City of Tears, and it's called the City of Tears because it's always raining in this settlement, and then, like, much, much later in the game, you find this uh, this beautiful, tranquil lake, And when you look at the map, you realise that the lake is sat above the City of Tears. And then you see just how those like different ecosystems actually connect and flow. But that's not, you know, it's it's not sort of said outright. It's just so beautifully detailed that, you know, you just, oh, it's wonderful. But the atmosphere the game creates is extraordinary. I know me and you, Minty, spoke before about the atmosphere in Metroid Fusion and how even playing a game on a tiny little screen on a handheld... You know, even if you're on like a busy, brightly lit public transport, it's going to feel like you're playing a game in VR. And Hollow Knight's like that. It's just so immersive. And the beauty of the aesthetics, the lighting, the sense of style, coupled with gorgeous sound design and music, it it just comes together to make just a really beautifully grim experience. It's uh, it, it just, yeah, it creates this tantalising world to explore and it encourages you to do so. And that's just a really lovely thing to see done right in a game where you can just enjoy being in this world and peeking around in every nook and cranny without necessarily a motive or a goal that you're working towards. You know, just being lost in a world. And there's a system in the game, like the way that it, you manage your health and your healing in the game, it works really to its advantage to help you keep wanting to explore just a bit further and a bit further. I spoke about something similar actually in Elden Ring when I was playing that. I mentioned that like when you're in the main sort of overworld, you could recharge your healing flask by killing groups of enemies. Yeah. And that helps you keep exploring rather than sort of panicking, retreating back to your nearest save point to recover health and, you know, respawn all the enemies. And Hollow Knight has a, a similar sort of thing where by like every strike that lands on an enemy fills your soul meter and then you can focus your soul to heal yourself. And you can also use your soul to cast spells and do big attacks and stuff like that. So you're constantly sort of weighing up how best to use it. But it means that if you find yourself on the verge of death, like you've got like one one heart, you know, not heart, but health container left, one hit away from being killed and you're facing up against an enemy, it's an instant risk reward situation where, you know, if you can kill it, you can probably get enough soul to heal yourself another health container and 
carry on and try and do that again. And it just makes you want to keep pushing through and pushing on, you know, rather than just backing out. But I want to return just a little bit to the audio soundscape of this game because it it, it really is astonishing. Like the level of detail that's in there is is is. It's, it's mad. Like you can hear every clickety-clack of insect feet and beetle shells rattling and spiders creeping, scuttling anomalies in the darkness, wings flapping, flies buzzing. Everything is in there, and it's, it's, it's quite hypnotic. And they don't overwhelm you with music either. The music is gorgeous in the game, but it's sparse so that you can enjoy just this natural soundscape that is existing in this world. And there are also so many audio clues to find hidden things in the game too. Like it's 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 easier to hear the sound of some loose ground below you that you could smash through. It's easier to hear that than it would be to perhaps spot a little dust cloud fly up as you run over it. And there are these um there are these little hidden grubs in the game that <laughs> they they've been in. There's about fifty of them. They've been imprisoned in jars around the world. And if you're quiet, you can just hear their little chirping sound. And then you can follow it and just find like a little hidden area and, and, and rescue them. And just the sound that some of these like bugs make in terms of, I guess, their language is just brilliant. I mean, it's total gobbledygook, obviously, but it's <laughs> got this, the right sort of tone and pitch and intonation. It always just seems to fit the design of these characters that then have just incredibly rich personalities and backstories that you can uncover in little dribs and drabs and just by, you know, picking up on certain things some characters say or the way they say it. or It's just, yeah, the detail of, and the realisation of this world is, is just, yeah, it's extraordinary. The only thing that really stops you exploring is, uh, is, is, is how incredibly dangerous it all is. And, uh, and this is kind of where the Souls-like element comes to play, because I know that, like, calling something Souls-like is, is just lazy shorthand for it's really hard, but that's, that's not what it's about. Like souls like combat is is hard, but it's about studying enemy patterns, learning from your mistakes and trying again. And that's the case here. So many of the enemies can foil you if you rush in or you try something too risky. You always have the tools at your disposal to overcome pretty much anything that stands between you and your way forward. It's just about patience, contemplation and a bit of skill. It helps that it, it borrows the, the currency drop death run mechanic from you know the souls games where if you die you drop all your currency which you can spend on various things and you get one chance to get back to that point defeat your evil shadow to reclaim your horde of of, uh, of geo it's called in the game or else you know they'll be lost forever and it's, it's a brilliant mechanic it's genius in dark souls and elden ring and, and all of those games because it means that if you reach a point and die unlike another game where you might just quit and put it down you don't want to miss the chance to go and reclaim your dropped XP whilst, you know, the scenario is still fresh in your head. And if you do make it back and regain your XP, then you, you want to push even further and see what's beyond that. And that gameplay loop is just so addictive. And the way the combat in the game evolves is really, really good as well. Like, you, you just have a simple nail as your weapon and you use that to obviously attack enemies, but you can... You can also attack downwards, which can result in you bouncing off an enemy or an obstacle to help you gain like additional height. And you'll learn additional moves to help you improve your combat and, you know, obviously help you get around the world a little bit easier and a little bit quicker. But I mean, the main thing that helps you level up is just practice. Like you'll find a route that is too tricky to get through. So uh, it doesn't matter. Go somewhere else for a bit. But then you'll find when you go back to try that route again, you'll feel like you've got a new ability or you've gotten stronger but you actually haven't you've just got better at the game 
but it also does feel incredibly satisfying to execute just just the simplest of combat mechanics with I don't know, it's just a lovely combination of like hit stun effects and those hand drawn animations giving fighting like I don't know, like an almost graphic novel feel to it. Mm. And sound design in, in in the combat as well, just making it feel like you are an insect fighting through these like sinews and strings of this world. There's another element in the game which is really, really cool, and that's the charms system and that which like allows you to like customize your playstyle. And it's an element of the game that I accused Gabriel Rosa of stealing for Blue Fire before <laughs> finding out he hadn't played Hollow Knight. But you will basically find these charms that give you certain abilities or augment your mechanics slightly, like making you move a bit faster or be able to charge your attacks so you're healing faster, make your nail reach a bit further, or you know, loads of other things. And it's wonderful because you can just keep freely well, not quite freely switching them up, but, you know, you get to a checkpoint and you can change them. And it means you can just try different approaches to find what works best for your playstyle, or just, you know, what might work better for a certain situation you're in. Like, if you find yourself going up against a really, really tough boss that's taking, you know, a few few tries, you can just ditch, like, a couple of charms that you might have equipped that help you navigate the map better, or, you know, general everyday charms, and uh, you can swap those out for something that will give you a bit of a boost for your attack or your defence. It's a magisterial game. This depth of vision that has gone into creating this world is unlike so many... I mean, it, it is, it's on a par with anything that From Software have done with their games. And so seeing that from an independent studio is, is quite extraordinary. And this the story of the game and the lore is just so deep and so rich. It's just a brilliantly realised world. It's so open and flexible to how you want to approach it. I, you know, I put money on the fact that no two people would have gone through the game in the same way. Such are, you know, the multitudes of routes and options for you to find your own way through. I'm so, so glad that I got the chance to to replay it. Like when I started writing my notes, I'd written a bit here saying, oh, it's such a big game. I really would have loved to have played it, but I didn't have the time, blah, blah, blah. I'll never doubt myself again because obviously, <laughs> obviously, I managed to play through it and complete my save file to a hundred and two percent. How long did it take? Uh, just under thirty hours. Okay. The funny thing is, like looking at my previous save file, I'd only I'd beaten the game, but it was only seventy eight percent complete and about twenty two hours. And I think like when I played it first, I didn't realise how big the game was. And I think there was another game coming out. So I was sort of rushing a little bit to finish it so I could, uh, you know, move on and play play the next game. Clearly, it didn't, like, dull my appreciation of the game at all. But it was so nice to really just, oh, just, just really sink into it, you know. And just the main thing that drew me back to it was, well, partly was writing about it here and going like, oh my God, this game really was brilliant. And then also knowing just how incredible the beautiful gloomy darkness would look on the switch oled display mm. and it was absolutely stunning and it is even more impressive given the fact that I, I played about half of this game in the back of a car driving to north wales and back over the last couple of days and it held up just amazingly well the other thing i'd also written here which is also now redundant is uh, i said oh i don't know when the sequel's going to be out and uh, in the last few days some more information has come out about hollow knight silk song which has uh, been in development for quite a few years and apparently it will be out in the next 12 months <laughs> <laughs> i've gone on record before saying that I, i'm so glad when companies don't rush games out and mm. they 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 if you know team cherry aren't delaying the game they just haven't you know, they're just taking their time making it and making sure it's right because they've been wise enough to, to to push the game in in quite a different direction, I think, from what I can see, like looking at the trailers, because 
you know, Hollow Knight is, is a game stuffed to the back legs with content that, you know, just doing more of the same wouldn't suffice. But Silksong sees you playing as uh, a different character, a character called the Hornet, in fact, who you uh, meet in Hollow Knight and you fight a few times. And they've got a very different and complicated story of their own. And like just having access to a wildly different moveset and drastically different combat options means that, you know, the game will feel very, very different to play, even if it, you know, looks quite familiar in the same art style. And from what I can make out, I think Silk Song will be a lot more combat focused than Hollow Knight, and oh, I just can't wait for it. Like I know that the the this latest trailer came as part of Microsoft's summer game fest present or whatever. I don't know whatever things are going on at the moment. I really hope that it it's it's not like a Microsoft or an Xbox exclusive, and it comes to the Switch at the same time because playing it on the OLED display is going to be the way to experience it. So where is Hollow Knight going on my list? It's going in the top 20. Oh. I reckon this could be top 15. Oh. I mean, as a 2D Metroidvania, it's better than any 2D Metroid or Castlevania game I've ever played. So that's something. It is a remarkable achievement, and the game rightly deserves a place very, very high up on, on anyone's list. So what's going? Well... It continues to pain me to like prune these games from my list, but if I really challenge myself as to what games really define me as a gamer and a person, I can spot games that I, I think are brilliant, but don't necessarily connect with me in the way that others do. So it's for that reason... Oh, it hurts, though. But it's for that reason I'm going to say goodbye to Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, oh. which is a stunning game. It's a stunning game. It's probably the best in that series. But it doesn't resonate with me as much as the original Donkey Kong Country, which I'm also pleased to say will be changing its status slightly in my list uh, since I have finally replayed the original game rather than the lesser but still phenomenally impressive Game Boy Color port. It's, it's remarkable how well the original Donkey Kong Country holds up. Uh, it still feels like a modern game and the mechanics in the game are so clear and tight and focused. And yeah, if well, if nothing else, it's the game that brought us aquatic ambience. So yeah, uh, yeah. Donkey Kong Country is still in my list, but I am saying goodbye to its frosty brother, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, <laughs> and I am welcoming the extraordinary Hollow Knight into my list. What an absolute game! So good, I bought it for Minty. I've played it. Yeah, I really like it. It's tough. It's really tough. And going back to what you said about playing Metroid Fusion on such a small screen, I never played Hollow Knight on a, on a TV because when you got it for me, we didn't have a television, so I just played it handheld. And I think it's one of those games, it's not dark, it's just the blackness in it is so rich. These lovely velvety violet tones to it. It's, mm, it's, it's just so immersive and you've got to get right up close to the screen. Like you are playing Metroid Fusion, just to... Like get as much of the detail and as much of that sparse light into your eye holes as you can. Mm. It's like you're peering into a terrarium. Yeah, it's like you're parting some ferns and just sticking your face into the soil and just imagining what might be as you see some woodlice go hither and thither. And you just think to yourself, what would it be like if this was uh, like Redwall or something? Mm. Then you'd be playing Tales of Iron. Oh yeah, I suppose so. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I really like it. I've, I'm nowhere near finished with it. Um, some of the I've hit a couple of roadblocks. Aerial platforming and bouncing off things. I I don't have the digital dexterity to. There are to do some it. very tough platforming sections. Not not many. 
there was a whole section of the game that I didn't find like the first time round that I played, and I would say it was on a par with something like Super Meat Boy or Celeste. Um, really, really tricky. Yeah, and then I don't know if if they're tough because I'm not meant to go that way, and it's just impossible to to do. Oh, you just you you, you just keep trying because every single time you're like, oh, I nearly had it that time. Oh, I'll try and I'll try this. I'll 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 dislocate my thumb and do it that way, and all that sort of thing. Um, it's it's great. Like they just the hunger it instills in you. It's something else. It really is. You should play it, Chris. I think I'd be bad at it. <laughs> I don't think you would. I, I feel like it's a game I can appreciate from afar more than I would if I was attempting to get through it. I think that you, I think you're in a different place since you kind of broke your way into Elden Ring. Possibly. You, you haven't finished it. Possibly. I found Hollow Knight playing it this time easier isn't really the right word but i felt i was navigating it with a lot more sort of confidence aplomb i had those sort of brain skills um of like studying enemy patterns and i just find myself knowing just very very quickly picking up like oh i know that enemy's going to do this three times and then i can attack it yeah just just picking up patterns and stuff like that that i found it yeah because i remember the first time through i found it really really hard this time i didn't find it as hard you should certainly give it a go well, it's on the list. They're all on so the list. Beautiful. The list is long. Is <laughs> <laughs> is the the most charitable way to say it? There are a lot of games that I would love to play. Yeah, and I think what what I worry about because the way that I play games that I want to have this like just wide experience of everything. It's games like this that often suffer the most because they take a level of commitment and they take an amount of time to kind of get through or at least kind of see enough to to get a feel for it properly. And I think that there's always the chance that I do games like that a disservice because if I do put it in, I could play it for an hour one evening and then it might just fall down, you know, for something else weird or something else rubbish a lot of the time. And that's not always fair. I think I, I, think I don't give some of these games the, the shake they deserve. And I feel bad about that. Good. <laughs> You should. So there we go. That was my amendment this week, and it was Hollow Knight. What a game. Have you played Hollow Knight? Let us know. Let us know what you think of it. Let us know just how brilliant it is. Put some pressure on Chris to play it. Nothing like a bit of peer pressure to Love get it. that man to do things. Love it. If you've enjoyed this episode or enjoyed any of our episodes, please do uh, review the podcast on your podcast platform that you're listening to it on and share the podcast on your social media platforms. It'd be great to get some uh, a swathe of new listeners in and do check out our support page o3c.game slash support if you fancy pledging a few pounds our way throwing us a few quid on paypal just to help us uh, keep going we'd very much appreciate that and just check out our website o3c.games loads of great articles on there video content just uh, loads of great stuff to, to look at read see here and do you can also reach out to us individually i'm on twitter at jonathan dunn i am at chaz underscore hodges and i'm clement underscore boo we're also at o3c games on everything if you want to get in touch with us please do let us know what you're playing let us know what you're not playing let us know what (laughs) and join us next week where minty will be amending his list even further okay and now a word from our sponsor Hey, Joe, Brandon, do you want to review everything? No, yes. no, 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 hang on. That sounds like a lot of work. It's not. What do you mean? Yeah, it's not. Podfred Review, a podcast where we review everything and anything and get lost along the way. Find this podcast and more on the HyperX Podcast Network.
Video Death Loop is a show where we watch a short clip on loop until one or both of us can't take it anymore. Each week, one of us picks out a video the other does not know about to their dismay. Video game cutscenes, TV show openings, music videos, and occasional horse videos are just some of the clips we've ran and we're five seasons in. Check us out every Friday. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers as well as online at Target, Best Buy and Amazon. Or you can shop for them directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. Um. Um.